Good evening once again, uh, the second night of the question answer session. We got loads and loads of questions. And I'm sure we do not have the time to answer them all today. But we will deal with as many as we can today and if it spills over to another day, we'll go over to tomorrow night. But my request to the parents is that uh, it's good to keep the children away from the question-answer session because some of the questions are not meant for children. They're quite graphic. And uh, your identities are absolutely secure with us. And uh, But the children need to know most of the stuff we'll be discussing today. So we will be primarily dealing first with the questions that deal with life. There are what I call theological curiosity questions. We'll keep it all for the end when we have time. End meaning not today, uh, but when we are about to finish all the questions unless they keep on coming. So this evening as we go to the begin this session, shall we look to the Lord in prayer. Father, this evening we just come to you, Lord. We just want to thank you. We just want to praise you. We just want to worship you, Lord. Come, Lord Jesus. There's so many, Lord, going through such deep-rooted problems. The only answer from heaven for every problem is you. Christ is the one who has overcome. And we need to know the answer in Christ. So tonight, once again, we pray the spirit of wisdom and revelation will rest upon us, upon all who are hearing, that we might have an answer for the queries of life, Lord. This is life. These are not intellectual questions in the classroom for a question paper. This is about life itself, Lord now and eternal. So help us, Lord. Give us wisdom. And give us the power, Lord, to walk in what we hear. And the truth your word promises will set us free. Speak, Father, tonight to us and through us. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Yes, Pastor Vijay, it's yours. <clears throat> yeah, so this morning, this evening, once again, we'll... Uh, Look at a few questions. Uh, as Pastor said, we'll be looking at questions concerning life. Uh, we'll, we'll, we have uh, divided the questions into uh, five categories at least. We have uh, home and family related questions, questions related to addictions that people suffer with, uh, life in general, uh, spiritual warfare and uh, and occult, etc. And of course, as Pastor mentioned, curiosity. So we'll keep the curiosity questions for the last, and uh, we will deal with uh, questions related to the family. So before we go to the questions related to the family, one one general question that I wanted to ask, Pastor, do you think that we are in the last of the last days? I think we are in the last of the last days. <laughs> because that is a question that one small, one little one wanted to ask you, so uh, I'll just get it out of the way. Last of the last days. Last days, days yeah. But like, fed day is like a thousand years. 
Okay, the day has 24 hours. It's an hour maths. You divide 1000 by 24, you get Around 50 years? Approximately. No, no. Yeah, roughly. Yeah. Around, yeah, exactly. Around 50. Yeah, roughly 50 years. Oh, no, more than that. So 500 years. No, no, more no, 50, than 50 years. 50 years. 1,000 divided by 50. 25. No, 24. So, yeah. No, I'm just, just kidding, okay? okay. <laughs> it's like around 40 years. 40 years. It's an hour. Yes. Okay, 40 years is an hour. So even if it's, we are in the last hour, 40 years. Hmm. If you are less than 12 hours, 20 years. <laughs> If you got a quarter of a day left, we don't know. I'm not setting any time, but you look at everything, you know, it's all falling into place. But this is how every generation believed. But the issue is 2000 years are up. The first day and the second day, Jesus said, this is what I will do. I will do my cures and I will do the deliverance, Mm. getting the body ready. On the third day, I shall be perfected. Perfected, The third day is almost here. So he can't go beyond the timeline he has set. Uh, no, So he set the timeline. And the day and the hour, we do not know. It's the only issue is how do you calculate 2,000 years from his birth or from his ministry or from his death? Can't be from his birth because it's already over. So it has to be kind of his death. Then we got roughly around 10 years, 12 years. We don't know, okay? I'm not, I'm not a prophet who's setting any times. I just look into the word and uh, we look at it and he said you should be able to read the signs and the signs are there all around. Okay, so. But technically the last days began when Israel came into being. We know that. He said in the last days, I'll bring my nation back. 1948, May the 16th, 14th. 14th, Israel came into being. Out of the blue, out of, after 2,300, 400 years later, the nation in one shot came back into being. And Isaiah prophesies about that. Can a nation be born in a day? Can a nation be born in a day? And in a day it was born. The church is also a holy nation. In a day it was born. (laughs) So we don't know how to read all these prophecies. But we'll stick to Israel. So 1948, the last days began. Okay, Okay, Pastor. (coughs) First question is a family-related question. I thought that the family time and the time with kids and wife is very important. Very contrary, he says. Yeah, it's it's basically, uh, I think the question is related to putting God first. I think that the confusion comes in when you read the scripture and when we read to you, teach you, because these are all, New people who are in the Lord. And by the way, those who are here, we have questions from, again, all over the world. And uh, some of them are from other religions who have come. So they have their struggles in understanding scripture when Jesus says, unless a man hates father and mother, wife and children. And it is like, it is like uh, anthema because you have been taught these are people you put up in your priority list and that's not what Jesus meant what Jesus meant is in your relationship in terms with God and these things don't usually happen and uh, if you are a believing family where the husband the wife all children are all believers then you don't uh, you don't uh, face these issues but if you are not then you will face these issues and when you're talking about the time <coughs> yes Family time is important, 
But the question is, how much time will you spend with your family? And especially with your wife. If you are a new wife and a new husband, yes, you spend a lot of time together. Even the word of God demands that. So you get to know each other. But after you have grown in your relationship with God and with man, that's your spouse, you realize you can spend a lot of time together without even talking and doing your work. I mean, there's a lot of time that husband and a wife spend, like I and my wife, we hardly need to talk because we can be together and do our own work. Now, once your mindset is in the same direction with God and towards God, then things, the issue comes in when the husband and the wife are pulling in two different directions. Then issue comes. Then there are demands. Then there are demands. But when the husband and wife are working even in two different jobs, but the focus is in the kingdom of God, then all these things don't become an issue. But with the children too, there is time that has to be separate, especially when the children are very, very small. Very small. There's a lot of time to be spent with them. Especially the mother, of course, is there. But I don't know whether today's mothers are there. But um, the father also need to spend time with the child when they are small. The first five years are the most important years. After that, they will start growing up. And those years are formative years where they have to see the father. And like the children don't hear, they watch, they see. The reason God said honor your father and mother is because the position they hold in the family, they represent in so many ways God to the children. children yes. That's why godly parents are more important in the children than any education they can receive. I guess that kind of answers that question. But so, time will depend upon place to place, job to job. No, it will. You will have to work it out. It is not one size fits all. No, one size fits all. But depending upon the nature of your home and the work you do, you will have to fit it in. But it's not the amount of time you spend. It is how you spend the time you have with the family. You can spend two hours and do nothing at all and not communicate and no relationship at all. Like right now, everybody is spending time with the family. But I don't know what's happening. If you go by the news, everybody seems to be fighting. So family time is not working. Nobody can complain after this that you didn't give me family time. Everybody had time together. No, So that's not the point. The point is, how do you spend? And you can look at it into a family. Is the family growing in closeness and in peace? And then the time is is like God is the center of it. It's working. But if it's not working, then you need to work on. Because ultimately, time is connected with relationships. And if the relationships are not being built, the time is being wasted. And you have to go and ask, what's happening? What's happening in my home? That's how you would answer that question. Uh, There's another question, which is from within here, in uh, in, uh, the same category, Pastor. Should a husband and wife share everything with each other? Uh, It's in the other one, Pastor. Um, With each other, or is it wise not to tell something with the other person? If it, if you won't understand. In the first place, How do you do let that? me talk to all the men and women who are not married. Wait for God and marry a woman and or a man whom you can share everything. That is what it means, equally yoked. yoked. Do not be unequally yoked with 
unbelievers also means be equally yoked with believers. Mm. No? The problem is, let me tell you a sim- simple illustration when people come to me. Husband is a ardent Baptist and the wife is a Pentecostal. Problem the whole gaya. One speaks in the mother tongue, the other speaks in tongues. <laughs> no. See, this is not about emotions. This yeah. is not. This is where in the Bible you will see when it's talking about Abraham choosing a bride for his son. He's looking for a bride that fits in with his son. Okay, that's a spiritual figure of it. So when young people in the church want to choose a bride, it is good to ask the spiritual parents because they know and they will look at it and they will know and say, okay, you will. That doesn't mean you get married and everything falls into place. After that, the work begins. You are saved. Now the testing of faith and everything. But at least you know these, you know, in the old days when parents looked for girls for their sons or sons, uh, husbands for their daughters, they were very worldly wise. They may not have the spiritual thing, but they very, and the first thing they looked was for security. They want, and they checked the family out completely. Yes. They will send people, check out the whole history. What is this family like? Are they alcoholics? Are they these things? Are this thing? They check it out. Why? Because they want to know which family is the girl going to get married to. They wanted that security part, and that's what parents, and we look first for spiritual security. Yes can have everything else and spiritually be totally unsecured. So we look at that. Then when we come to this, looks like the lady or the husband who wrote this is already married. So we have to make the best of a bad situation. The question is, there has to be discernment, I would use. I would. I mean, you, you, have, a, you have a typical situation there like uh, Abigail and Nabal. Uh, Abigail is a wise woman and uh, Nabal is a fool. I mean, there's a spiritual tags given over there. But if you look at her wisdom, when there is a situation over there, she she's actually racing to save her husband's life yes. before he is killed. And when she comes back, she sees her husband is drunk. And she's wise. She uses discernment. So she doesn't sell anything to him because there's no point in telling. And I wish a lot of wives whom I have known over the years, sisters who had alcoholic husbands, had the simple wisdom of doing what Abigail did. Talk to your husband in the morning when he's sober and quiet and said, do you know? Couple, few people around the country, when, I, when they told me, I said, why don't you record a clip of your husband, how he talks and how he behaves when he is drunk and comes. In the morning, sit him down and when he's having his coffee and say, I want you to see this. This is who you are. That's when you need to talk. When they are drunk, don't talk. But usually they are raging and when they come in and they start shouting and before you know it's a fist fight and everything and it continues and continues and continues. So you have to use discernment. You have to use discernment. I would say you should share, but you should share with discernment, whether it's a husband or a wife. Then again, you need to realize that let us uh, uh, let us put an example. Peter is in the police, and his wife is a housewife. He's not married yet. Does he really want to know everything that happens in the police station? Why make him miserable? Mm, absolutely. No. 
So those are things, like Bible also says, share things which are edifying. A lot of stuff you don't want to hear. Even when husbands who have having trouble in the office would just tell their wives, you know, I'm going through something, just pray for me. That's enough. And that's all enough. She doesn't have to know all the details of it unless she has to keep Every husband and every wife need to know their spouse, whether they can handle it or not. That is where scripture says, live with your spouse with understanding. Like, you know, like let us say, like put my, like, let us say like my wife, my wife is there. She's spiritually very, very strong. But I don't tell her everything. Because she doesn't have to know. If I can handle it, why why burden her? She's got too much stuff praying till late night. Why burden her unnecessarily? I can handle it on my own. She doesn't have to know about it. I'm not hiding anything from her, but she doesn't have to know. And certain things I will tell her after a couple of days because I also know because she may be a strong wife, but every wife is emotional. But that's how God made it. And wives will immediately react emotionally. So it is better to tell them when the emotions will not affect that decision. Because this thing is already settled. So to, <gasps> don't worry, it's already over. It's already over. So you have to use discernments. Like if your husband is the one who is angry and this thing at the tip of the nose, wait when he is calm and talk to him. So it is not just whether I need to share everything alone. Does it help? Is it needed? Is it, does it edify, does it edify? Let me tell you, you may find it very strange, but when I counsel people, I look at the whole picture, like when, let us say, uh, look, I, everywhere I go, I have people coming into my hotel rooms to talk, they want to know what do we do, and I tell them, you have to use wisdom in your situations. You have to use wisdom in your situations. Like, uh, there is a saying in Sanskrit. I don't know how, I don't know Sanskrit, but I can translate for you it in English. Whatever you say should be the truth, but you don't have to say all the truth. Okay? Because sometimes all the truth, all the details does not help. Let me t- give you examples of counseling so that you understand. Let us say a husband and a wife. The husband or the wife commits adultery. Now we are working on reconciliation. And the wife knows about it. It's a whole mess. And they come for counseling and they're talking about it. And we are, of course we talk about genuine repentance and forgiveness and God can heal the wounds, everything. But one of the, let's say it's a husband who did it. And the husband, and one of the things we will always tell the wife is, okay, it happened. Okay? Now he is remorseful, you have to put here the covenant, you put the family, everything first. But let me tell you one thing. Don't ask details. Uh. You don't want to know the details. Because the details will torment you. It's not help you at all uh. in solving this problem. You don't want to know details. It happened. You know the big picture? And that's it. You don't want to know the details. So the details will torment you. So don't ask for the details. Protect yourself. And you also, if she asks, don't tell the details. Many cases reconciliation couldn't take place. It's not because adultery took place. It's because the graphic details were demanded and the poor man or the poor woman thought, I have to be honest in this situation. But it didn't help. Now the details messed it up. 
Okay, so we have to look at what are, what is our objective in all this. Objective is peace and reconciliation. So when we counsel, we have to look at the whole objective. You know, objective has how it is happening. So in this cases with husband and wife and all when they are talking about, yes, I would definitely say one thing you should share with each other is finances. Yes, that's what I thought. One thing you should share is finances. Finances has to be shared. You should not go. That is one thing, no? And then relationships should be shared so that you are safe. Okay? Then with spiritual understanding, yes, you know each other, you know well, and you find the other person does not have the same and spiritual understanding, then it is fine. You know, you are not keeping anything away, but you are waiting, you know. But you can share it in a way the person understands, okay. Use wisdom in all. In all, use wisdom. wisdom. But I would always say as far as possible when you start, start well, start open, start sharing everything. And there shouldn't be stuff in your life which you don't want to share. There should be stuff in your life which you needn't share. But they should, in, as far as possible, avoid those pitfalls. I don't want my wife ever to know this. Now, I don't want my husband ever to know this. Avoid those pitfalls. Mm. Otherwise, it will bring torment in the long run. But there will be a lot of stuff which your wife or your husband need not know it. That is how I would say to move on with life. Pastor, can I just add one Please, thing? Please, yeah, go ahead. Uh, I mean, one of the things that I I thought was, I mean, not thought I was, uh, my personal experience too, is in order for the marriage to stay strong, it's very important for the husband and wife to be absolutely committed to a local church. Right, Pastor? Do you, do you agree with that? Uh, uh, where they are constantly being no, fed the word? No, no. I, I mean, because of the, I, I agree to that in a, uh, in, in, a, a, in, a in a context that is like ours and all. But there are a lot of contexts of people who are listening, they have no church. If they go to church, they will die. Hmm. They will die. So it is not possible. Like half the crowd who are listening doesn't even have a church. Hmm. So they cannot go to a church. If they go to a church, they are looking for end of their life and married life. Everything is over. So we are not, we cannot this is a ideal situation. But again, in an ideal situation, where do you find an ideal church? Where even the pastors are interested. Hmm. No, So it is very, see, all these are ideal situations where, like, we are not boasting, but we know in our church, we are a community of believers, we are very close, everybody, but even then everybody is not close. But we give that opportunity. We spend time together, we teach the word, Sunday evenings we gather, we have meetings through the week and that way everybody. But that does not mean every church can be like that or is like that. Okay. Or like that. So okay. ultimately you will have to have the couple there. And you also have to look at different situations. There could be like two young people who got married. And they came through the same church. So it is easier to counsel them. Yes, that's right. Two people got married and came to the church. Then that is a different situation together. Two people who are married for 30 years with three or four children, now they got saved are in their church. So each one you have to handle it differently. Mm. You have to, it is not the same kind. But the best is for the ones who are newly saved, growing in the Lord, 
and they are getting married, I would always say start your, you got a fantastic start before you. Keep your life very, very simple. Keep it very, very simple. Talk to each other, spend time with you, but pray. The altar is the most important part. And most families that fall apart are families that don't pray together. A simple old saying, the family that prays together stays together. stays together. It stays together. It still works. It still works. That altar keeps the family together. Abraham had an altar. He had his family. Lot had no altar. He lost his family. Okay. As simple as that. Yes, Pastor Vijay. All right. So we'll go back to the uh, the other question, which is on addictions, Pastor. Uh, mm. It's a little graphic. Yeah, I hope children are not there. I mean, they wouldn't understand. I don't put anything, but it's very sad. It's a very sad. Uh, it, this is this person. question, Pastor. I'm talking from the abroad part. Oh, you're proud. Uh, okay, you have the other one. Yes. Oh, you want to go there? You want to go there or you want to? Uh, we'll go to the this uh, one. Part. Okay. The other one we uh, go, then we have to go with the whole thing. All right. Mm, hello, Pastor. I've been in pornography since I was five or six years old. I don't know. I want to listen, parents who are listening. This is a person who is now at least in the 20s and has been addicted to porn from the age of five. Age of five. I don't know if it's a man or a woman. We do not know. But the thing at the age of five. And we are talking about our children in the church who are all small. You need to realize how early it can start. And nobody, no parent would ever think about a five-year-old child getting into porn. And they will safely, thinking within quotes, leave them with the system, with the computer, everything, without realizing they have been hooked. Once they are hooked, to get it out is not very easy. I don't yes. know how I got it, but I did. It look it took years to know what it actually was, but then I was a slave to it. I've been in it for almost seventeen years now. I don't know how to break it. I've been trying for all these years but failing. Okay. And this is the biggest addiction in the world. It's a multi-billion industry, and they call, the world changes its all name. They call it an industry. It is not an This is a trafficking of souls and bodies. Now the answer to this, the, this has been for too very long. Like the person is saying for 17 years you are addicted to something. But let me tell you, all things are possible with God. Absolutely. He can set you free like that. Amen. Amen. And all things are possible to him or her who believes. But the question is, how badly do you want it? Yes. That's the first thing. How badly do you want it? Two, how far are you willing to go? How far are you willing to go? Now, one of the, one of the ways is, now this was a question I remember somebody asked in a meeting to Zach Poonen. Zach, not about addiction, but he gave a very beautiful answer about it. A child starts like 5 or 6, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, they reach the puberty and the sexual desires start manifesting in the physical body. Though they will need it only in another 20 years from now. So why did God allow a child to recognize sexual desires when he does not need it for another 18 to 20 years is so that he will learn to become an overcomer. Self-control and overcomer, yes. Self-control and overcomer. What an answer that was, yes. That's the reason he gave it there. So so that he will learn, he will learn self-control and he will overcome it. 
and then you become get your crown too because everything is worth a battle amen and the greater the battle the greater the crown so that's one of the things but even here let me tell you one of the ways is that practical ways spiritual ways you will need deliverance because there are too many demons inside the lust and uncleanness and all that and you will you will need and you can if you're a believer you can do it yourself but i would say find somebody older senior anointed who will help you through it is but one thing is that you have to cut what causes you feeds it mm. what feeds it this that's what jesus meant actually if it's your eye that causes you to sin pluck it or I have to go to hell with one eye than two eyes if it's your hand cut it no he's not asking us to pluck our eye out of hand but he's saying that's how drastic radical yes that would mean that you get rid of your internet and your laptop mean even changing your job if the if your job is i mean what do you want to do get a job that pays you half the salary and struggle or one gave you give you a job that gives you lots of money and take you down to hell that's a question you have to ask you know so sometimes you will have to take very very strong drastic decisions decisions get rid of your laptop get rid of your phone go for a very simple ordinary mobile in which there is no the purpose of the phone is to make calls huh. make calls because i know people who were once upon a time in the church and all who got addicted got on to phone sex lost all their money 12 lakhs the girl took from singapore or hong kong or something wiped them out completely when i told him you're an idiot I told you don't go this route and for some season there is no con- contact at all and then suddenly comes faster help me what happened no i lost all my money how did you lose your money then when you come to the story this is how you lost your money the case of people get into all kind of stuff because but you should be willing to take it mm. you should be willing to take that drastic decision okay the prayer is the main thing god will deliver you set you free the demons will go because but you also have to take that you don't go back that route connected with that's what zacchaeus did he know his issue is stealing he loves money so he has to break that sin and that iniquity in your case you have to do both what is what is that i am going to do and i'm willing to go all the way find somebody make myself accountable mm. to that person yes, accountable, okay yes. accountable to that person i i pray you have a good church where the pastor will say come and stay with me for one month 30 days when i watch over you when i watch over you you're going to have no system nothing in my house when i watch over you pray with you every day confess and you will be out yes you will be out anybody can come that's all the signs of mary magdalene demon possessed set free proclaiming the gospel declaring the lord's resurrection to the apostles all things are possible but the question is how far are you willing to go for your deliverance and god will deliver you once you are set free walk in your freedom amen so vijay if you want to add something there uh, well i i can't say anything better than that but yes accountability possibly is the most important thing in these cases especially with young people no you need accountability over there you need somebody who will hold you and take you through that 
You will need a person. And, and, and of course, uh, we've also seen that these days it's uh, so easy for children to get access to smartphones. I've seen it in my own, I, won't, I don't want to mention names, but sometime back when I went uh, to my relative's place sometime back, a small kid, he's a one-year-old baby, and he wouldn't, he was throwing a tantrum to eat his food. And the best way that children, my parents have to do is to show them something on the on the computer or on the on the smartphone and feed the baby. And what they were showing was such a wild thing. I was shocked to see what was getting fed into the child when he was one year old. The they problem is it gets in through your eye gate. Eye, eye gate. And those and are the things that are registered in your brain. Very careful, yeah. It all gets in registered in your brain and later all you have to do is activate it. And if you are if your parents with small children you have to take drastic decisions for your children and for yourself too. Because it says in Matthew chapter 18, uh, if anyone causes any of these little ones to stumble, you know, so then if your eyes causing you to stumble, pluck it out. So as parents too, we have to take those decisions not to have things which but will... But your brother or sister or child, whoever it is, there is deliverance, deliverance and God yeah. will help you out. Amen. He will help you out. All right. Anything. Yeah. So, questions on life, Pastor. Mm. How does being in debt affect my spiritual walk? Spiritual and physical walk. Physical walk, less shopping. Because sometimes I feel I am encaged by it. Yeah. Amazing question. (laughs) Encaged. It's not good to be in debt unless you know you can pay it off and it was borrowed for something important. Certain sometimes sometimes we will get into debt. Like let us imagine somebody is in the hospital in the ICU and you don't have the money. What are you going to say? Die? You know, you will take a loan or you borrow from somebody. So that is a different thing. But other than that, one has to learn because Scripture says, "Owe no man anything except the debt of love, love, which you will never pay back. We have to keep on paying it, paying it, paying it. But it is." Debt is a burden. It's a terrible burden. It enslaves you. In the Bible, Pastor Bijay will tell you from the book of Proverbs, the borrower slave. is the slave to, to the, the lender. Lender. The lender. And the whole system, the world economic system, is primed in such a way to make slaves of you. Especially in the Western society. It's all on credit. Everything is on credit. Everything is on credit. So it does does disturb your spiritual walk with God. because. But one of the ways you have to do is that, see, if I am a child of God, if I have debt, then I put my father into debt. Okay. So if I did it wrongly, I go to God and ask for mercy. Then ask God, Daddy, will you help me to pay it off? Okay, but if it is not, if it was a debt that was of exigencies, as we call it, I still go back to God, knowing that He will help me to pay it off. So in those, in both cases, you have to go to your father, knowing that Lord, I want to be debt free, and I never want to go into debt again, and expect really, truly, God to move in your life. Amen. Amen. Move in your life because you have so. to. This is where things come in where you need faith and you have to look into. Like like the Elisha's widow, oh. they have come. My husband was a good man, but he was terrible with finances. 
And he put us in debt and he's dead. Uh-huh. And the creditors have come to take my son to sell them. That's part of the old law. And Elisha said, okay, let's handle it. <laughs> Collect all the vessels. What oil is there? Shut the door, fill it, go sell it, and live on the rest. Pay your debts off. So there was a miracle. Do you have to go to God with that? Lord, I, 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 I'm not a person who spends money uselessly. I'm a very approved to you, Lord. I'm a good steward of money. You know, I don't waste money. I spend money wisely, but this debt has come in. I had no control over it. And I'm looking to you, Father, work a miracle in my life. You know, because we, we, we cannot give you some, some intellectual answer. Mm-hmm. This is kingdom answers because there is a God who is your Father who will take you out of debt. Amen. Who will clear you out of debt and bring you. But you also need to make Lord and then help me always to walk that way. That I owe no man and I'm a giver. Yes, and he will bring you out. You really have to believe for a miracle. You said keep life simple also, right? Yeah, life simple. <laughs> keep it very, very simple. Simple defense dif- dif- differs for different people. Like if you're earning two lakh a month, your simplicity may be different. I mean, don't buy what you can't afford. That's what I'm talking about. Okay, we are not telling, nobody's telling how to spend the money you make. What you're telling is that learn to how to spend the money you make wisely and save and store because thrift. America became great because their parents were good stewards of their money. Mm-hmm. They knew thrift. They saved, they kept and they came through. But a generation grew up which were never taught to be good stewards of their resources and they are struggling. And now once this is over, it's going to be three, three trillion almost already in bailout. We don't even know, we don't know how to write the numbers in trillion. On top of 27 trillion all is a national, national debt. debt. Yes. That means every American citizen owes over a lakh dollars. The whole nation, each person. That's a kind of debt. Actually, in mathematics, they've already crossed a point they can never recover. It's impossible to recover. To recover, the economy has to grow in some huge figure of GDP astronomically, which is not going to happen. So they are a nation in debt forever. <laughs> unless God pays off the debt. Mm. Okay. <sighs> <laughs> so that is a major issue. We be wise about it Praise and trust God. God. Yeah. What shall I do if anybody curses me? Example, my unbelieving family. Do those curses affect in any way? If somebody curses you, don't curse them back. One, bless them. Okay, bless them. Second, scripture says very clearly. 26.2 Proverbs. Yeah, Proverbs. A curse without cause will not land. 26.2, yeah. maybe you can see that. It will not. Like a flitting sparrow, like a flying swallow. So a curse without cause shall not alight. alight. Okay, it shall not alight. So stay, I would always say believing people, stay under the blood, walk without unforgiveness. Okay, walk and curses will not work. And always cancel it out. Okay, and be very careful if it's your unbelieving family, like a father or mother curses you, don't do spiritual warfare. I send it right back to you. <laughs> don't do it, please. <laughs> that is for witchcraft, wizards and all. Don't do it with your family. Just say that I bless you in return. God bless you. Every time if they do it in your hearing, always say, but I bless you back. Amen. Bless you so that they'll stop. Yes. 
women are generally very emotional not generally they are emotional <laughs> just kidding okay all the sisters how do i not let my emotions rule over me sometimes it is really hard to control emotions it's not about emotions ruling over you it is what do you do is what is more important you can let emotions rule over you go to the bathroom bedroom cry your heart out and come back and do nothing about it it's not the ruling part is when you make decisions based on when it. you take actions based on emotions. emotions that is when it gets dangerous mm. it's not emotion so the ruling part has two things no women will cry that's okay good for your eyes okay that's okay cry it out but don't make decisions based on emotions Okay, that is like we keep saying in our and our in our messages. Emotions are good servants, but they are terrible, terrible masters. So, if you are an emotional person and you are habit of taking hasty decisions based when you are very emotional, be still. Make it a point. I will not make a decision. I will not make a decision when I am emotional, and you choose it. And if you are a person when you are emotional. you respond immediately make it a decision one day at a time that i will not say anything for 5 minutes and slowly you will realize you have control mm. and after some time the emotions will subside and you will realize it is good i didn't open my mouth that's not a big thing at all but usually what happens is it is not the issue that sets off the emotion the reaction makes it worse if you had not reacted that issue would have just gone away like let us say it's a husband and a wife he must have been just irritated by something that happened in the office and said something mm-hmm. if you had allowed it to pass he would have forgotten it you would have forgotten it because it had nothing to do with you or the home but because you got hysterical and historical now that issue is completely forgotten some other issue has taken over now Okay, that is why whether it is a man or a woman, it is good. Bible says, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to speak and even more slow to be angry. angry. Okay, emotions are killers. Can in every everything emotions are killers. People get married in emotions, marry in haste, repent in leisure. So all emotions can make all these judgments. That's why old days fathers made the decision, because he knows he, this boy is being fed by his mother. He loves food too much. If I leave the decision to him, he will marry the cook. That is Isaac. <laughs> okay. He suddenly sees something spiritual in the cook because he loves food. No, it's good. I will. I will pick a wife for you. She'll be a good cook, but she'll be a fraying woman. Praise God. Okay. <laughs> I'm just joking, Isaac. I know you can't hear me, but I'm just joking. So don't get mad at me when I come there. Okay. Okay. Yes. Pastor, this seems to be a theological question. I want to leave it now because uh, yeah, okay, exactly. the theological question we will leave it now. Then, uh, do you want to do the spiritual work with them? Hmm. We can okay. go to the other side also okay, and look. We'll yeah. We will go to the other side. Other side. So we have another question on addiction. At the age of ten, I was abused. Then I kind of liked sex. Am I a sex addict? 
most of the people who go that route sadly you will see they were abused they were abused okay and uh, the sad part of it is uh, they get abused when they are small usually by neighbors older family members cousins both boys and girls i'm telling you when they are small they get abused and they get introduced to something which they should have never been introduced to you know and yet they have always been told by parents society everything look it's a taboo okay so they always hide it and they go through guilt once that door is opened the child does not come and open up with the parents and parents understand the spiritual significance of it and what to do it can create havoc but if the parents know it can be dealt with and it can be covered the wound is healed and the child will grow normally but in most cases it does not happen it and what the problem is with abuse is your mind is set in a way that automatically you will in your relationships look for somebody who abuses you and that's why you see especially in the west and all so many married two times three times four times and you will see the pattern is always the same hmm. it's always you no know, the men they marry are all abusers you will ask did you learn from the first time the second time it's because the mind has been bent that way and uh, the issue is here is the question is very vague does not tell you whether you are married or unmarried it does not tell you say then i kind of liked sex am i a sex addict the question demand is is about it's more than that if you are single then you should close that door if you are married and you are having sex outside your marriage you have to close the door uh, it is worse than addiction it's worse than addiction you know the most famous sex addict who had to go through secular therapy was tiger woods he had to actually go for de-addiction because he was a sex addict and you no know, so that can that's a get another addiction it's an addiction and for that you need deliverance so this question is not very clear because details are not it's, it's not from india it's come from abroad it's not uh, very clear but you will need deliverance will need deliverance it's like alcoholic or anything you know addiction is something which has taken over you you don't have control anymore that thing controls you that thing drives you that's what happened to solomon solomon became a sex addict mm. sex addict that's otherwise you don't need 300 wives and 600 concubines and all no you are a sex addict he became a sex addict so you will need deliverance and uh, you'll need to go to god first and then us i wouldn't know where to send you but i would say that go to god and he can set you free uh, the second question is kind of similar to that actually yeah but though that there are so many so many similar yeah yes pastor so mm-hmm. the next is on life this is i think uh, 
we also have been used to manipulate and we recognize that. So at the time, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will reveal it to us. We repent, then we go back again the next day. We ask if we can be delivered once and for all. Okay, from your question, I can understand where you come from. <clears throat> Some people ask me this question, Pastor, you mentioned about the circle. And uh, would you explain it like... Some of you, the problem with this is an online thing and people are watching and there are a lot of people who are just curious. And what I'm telling you is that, let me warn you seriously, statutory warning. What we, some of the stuff which we tell you, if you're, even if there are young people, teenagers, 20s listening, and this has got nothing to do with you, even out of curiosity, don't go search. Because YouTube is an open thing. All kind of junk is available. You don't need to know these things. You don't need to do. Yet, when we speak from here, in a format like this, it helps a lot of people who need it. A lot of people get delivered because they cannot go to anybody. They cannot speak about these things to anybody. Okay? Because when we talk about what we talk about the circle, we are talking about Freemasonry. There are different levels of Freemasonry of which one level is looks simple with all the uniform and all that junk. But down the ages that has never been what Freemasonry is. And they control the whole system. They control the whole system. Everywhere they control. And it is demonic. It is occult. They have drugs. They have sex. And they have mind blinding. Their minds are manipulated. <clears throat> now if you look at what they are all going through, many of them going through, and uh, how to, how much I should say and how much I shouldn't say, let me tell you, they use children in their what we call rituals. It's all part of the old, from the time of the pagan time onwards, it is part of it. The demonic and the physical come in together, and you want the demonic and uh, power, and this is all part of it. You are programmed. Programming is not something that began with computers. Programming is something that began with human beings. Like I have my computer here. You cannot open it unless you know my code. Hmm. The human soul, let us take a plate or let us take this. A human soul can be programmed. It can be split. Psychiatry calls it as multiple Personality disorder, MPD, because they can only go that way you have multiple personalities. But it is much more than that. It is actually, it's a defense mechanism which God actually gave the human soul, the human psyche mechanism. Let us say a little girl who is five years old gets sexually molested, but she cannot talk it to anybody. So her mind splits. She imagines a story completely different. Okay? Because she has to live with that trauma. 
This is how you, your mind is trying to handle the trauma because there is nobody there to help you through it. So the mind splits. And the other part of it handles life normally, but there is one thing which has broken because of the trauma. That is where that the other person is a different person. So that different person as it, grow, as it grows up always wants sex. It's a split personality and some people will wonder, why is this girl like this when she with certain people? With other people she is very normal. It's because of something happened, the personality. So everybody, all of us actually have split personalities. Okay? And it's because we want to please man and we want to please God. So we know how to flip from one personality to another very well. Christ is in the process of making us whole. But we are not even talking about that, the traumatic multiple personality disorder. We are going beyond that. What if they can actually, using the demonic, split your mind into a thousand different pieces and make different personalities and put a code there on the personality, put a ring of demons over there and keep you and lock you up. And whenever they want, they can call out each personality out and the personality comes and functions in that body. And then you use that body for various activities. And once it is over, you send the personality down, lock it back again and the body has no idea what has happened to it. So you are very safe. This is exactly, and a lot of them go through it. Another word for it, the demonic part, the other, you can check, I mean, all those who, if you are interested, it's called SRA, which is called Satanic Ritual Abuse. It's all documented, all over there, Satanic Ritual Abuse, and a lot of them, millions have gone through that, Satanic. First time in the human history, it was last year, the court in Australia allowed the alter personality to come and testify that uh, she was abused I think by her father and the personality came out and spoke personality came out and spoke and spoke it was a different person who came out and spoke and the court took it as evidence let me tell you the fact if courts were to accept the evidence of alter personalities you probably wouldn't have any big people left on earth. They will all go into prison for life. Because many of them to reach their positions had to go through that process and use children and girls to reach their position. That is why it is the best and the top well-kept secret. Nobody breaks it and nobody will break it until Jesus comes. And that's what's happening around the world. So this is not a small issue. It's a major, major issue. A person can have over any number of personalities. Any number of personalities. And that is how they do it. And a lot of people who are writing the questions are from that background. They're from the background. And they have been taught to lie. Yes. They've been taught to lie. They have been trained never to reveal. Okay, so the one, they are basically slaves. The ones who does the programming for them, the person is called a master. He's the master. Or he's called uh, the handler. You will see all that in the newspaper. And CIA uses the term. CIA has an agent somewhere in the field in another country. There is a man who is handling him. He's the handler. When girls are used for this programming, those girls who have been programmed for sex, for all these things, they are called butterflies. 
and when a girl is peculiarly picked up and programmed to be used for very high influential people so that they are brought into the trap and they will control them to use the politics of the nations and all, that girl is called a monarch butterfly. Monarch butterfly. Now, let us say I am the programmer. I can take uh, Roshan, program him, get an altar, and the altar comes out and I can train him to be a perfect soldier. Absolutely total perfect assassin I can make him. And then I keep the altar inside and Roshan comes out the core. The other person, the main person is called the core. The core comes out, the core has no idea at all. But when I need it, I know the code. If let us say the code is 2334. When I say 2334, the altar comes out. He's not long in control. The altar comes out. And I will tell you, I need you to go here and do there and kill this person. He will go and do it perfectly, come back and I lock the core in. When the cops come in, he's innocent. He has no clue what he has done. That program is called MK Ultra Programming. By the CIA, MK Ultra Programming. These are all there. This is how a lot of so much stuff is happening in the world. These are realities. So I don't believe in any of the shootings that takes place in America. All the shootings are setups using alter personalities, the single agenda to take the guns of the people. Mm. Because America is the only state in the world where you are constitutionally allowed to carry guns so that no tyranny would take over. The only country left. You take the guns of America, America will also go the way the rest of the world go into tyranny. So there are a lot of stuff that is happening over here. But at the basic level, you have to be very, very careful. Very Even in these places it happens. All these places happen. Please let me tell you. People even in India misunderstand it. The British did not come here to rule or mission, came as missionaries or anything. The East India came, the East India Company came here to make money. And they were all Freemasons. You look in any Indian city, there are lodges there, lodges from those days. The first set of people, when they came in and when they started leaving and all that time, were all the Christians who got into it. Then all the others got into it. A lot of children, a lot of children are struggling because their parents were Freemasons. A lot of children in today in today's world are struggling because their parents were Freemasons. And not only that, when those children were small, they were taken to the lodge. The father may not be aware of it because the father's altar could have come and taken the child. Lord, why are all the marriages messed up? Everybody in this thing, it's because of Freemasonry. And people do not realize how prevalent, because the best kept secret in the world. Best kept secret. And if a man has gone over, he will never tell it to his wife, because he did, can't tell her what all he did over there, with how many women he did stuff over there, the rituals and the, all the stuff that happened over there. They will not talk about it. So a lot of people need deliverance. And to such people who are hearing, I will tell you, God will show you mercy. Really show you mercy. He will not judge by what he hears or what he sees. I know what I am talking about. I have dealt with altars. But I am telling you it is so easy to deal with altars if you can get them to say three words. Jesus help me. It's very difficult because you have been programmed with the Bible against the Bible. You have been told never to use the name of Jesus or the blood of Jesus. But if you can, first you have to win the confidence of the altar and tell altar that Jesus loves you, Jesus cares for you, just one. All kind of stuff I have done, either to be kind to them or agitate them by saying you are a wuss, you have this thing at all, 
What you are so afraid to say three words? Once they say, Jesus, help me, after that, deliverance is easy. Deliverance is easy. You have to get the code to break it. There is a code. You have to get the code to break it. The code has to be given. It has to be broken. The demons that has been put around the altar has to be cast out. And then the altar is integrated into the core and suddenly the core has all the memories of the altar. Then the core person realizes, oh my gosh, this is what happened to me. You have to give them two days to recover from the trauma. Because then they realize, because the body is the same. The core had no memory at all. But what do they do that? When this person goes through that, they will take them to some psychiatry hospital, chain them, serrate them, and they go like zombies around. And America is full of psychiatry hospitals filled with these people because the elite does not want their secrets to come out. Doesn't want to come out. This is the story of all the people who are writing. This is an actual story. But I am telling you, there is deliverance. And all of you are listening. Jesus really, really loves you. Really loves you really, really loves you and he can. You know, so you have been used to manipulate. So, uh, can you be delivered once and for all? Depends. Depends upon how many altars you have. How many altars you have and how one of the things which I always tell you is that if you are a person and you know you are in the circle, used in the circle, man or woman, wizard or witch, whatever levels you were used at and you have come out Never go to sleep without playing Christian music or our messages. Good. Don't even use everybody's messages because everybody's message won't help you because there are many pastors who are part of the Lord. They have altars in them who can preach, but when they are at the pulpit, the altar comes and preaches. After that, the altar goes in and the other person manifests. So you listen to them. They are already under the power of witchcraft. It won't help you. It will agitate you. So listen, I am telling you, never seen the doorway of a Lord. I got nothing to do with the Freemasonry or anything, but God, help me to learn to deliver people. So I am telling you, play our messages, play Christian music. Be very careful of listening to Christian music like Hillsong. Mm. There are a lot of Christian music which is part of Freemasonry. The verses are good, uh, music is good, it will agitate you. It won't agitate me, it will agitate you. So don't listen to that. Listen to music which is old hymns and all are safer. Unless you know the group, you see, you guys are able to identify very well from the music, musician, whether they are part of it or not. But I will tell you, play it. I will tell you why. If you don't play it, is what is happening is that you will go to sleep, the altar comes out. The altar will walk around for three hours, four hours and goes in. The next one comes out. In 24 hours, you get no rest at all. When the core comes out, you are absolutely bone tired, every bone hurting because you said, I slept but I am tired. It's because you never got any sleep because the altars were coming out and you are wandering around. That is why you need to play it and go to sleep because your body needs rest. Because they have been pro, you have been programmed that way. So that is the manipulation that is happening. So I'm telling you stuff which I know is an absolute fact. I've dealt with it and I've done suicide watches. You know what it is. You all have suicide triggers. Altars which have been created, taught to commit suicide so that if you snitch on the circle, the altar comes out and you die. A lot of big people, recent past and all have died. Don't tell me a person can die in a bathtub. Somebody drowned in a bathtub. You know who I am talking about. It was an altar that came and drowned itself in a bathtub. Because it was getting ready to get out of the circle. So all these things happen. So be safe. 
stay under the blood, stay under, stay under, safe music, safe word, get your strength back, grow in the Lord and can he set you free in one go? That is your question. I, he can, but whether he will or not, I do not know. It's like the children of Israel who came out of Egypt, 450 years of slavery and debauchery. Their minds were programmed. That's why they couldn't come out. So God allowed them to die there, but he brought out a generation whose minds were not programmed. That is why the minute Moses went up, what happened there is one like one of your sexual orgies was Ritual. going over, the rituals were going over. Immediately they went back to that. That is what is happening. This is not yesterday or today. And let me tell you why you call Hiram of Tyre as one of your great masters and Solomon and all. And why you call yourself Freemasons because you think your wisdom came from Solomon. You are the illuminated ones, the Illuminati. And you offered your services free to build the temple. So you call yourself Freemasons. And you are the ones who are building the new World. world order. Nothing. Jesus will destroy all of you. So it's a good time. Repent and come back. So a warning to all the others not to venture into all this. All the others, please don't venture in. You don't want to get into there at all. Please. Stay away from this. This is for a set of people. Even in India, there are people who live a couple of messages of mine. When I prayed, there were people manifesting in their houses in India. So just... And they realized what had happened. Okay. That's why Pastor and Vijay, our joke is that how do you invite a person into full-time ministry? Don't check their Bible college, don't check their Bible college degree, do a deliverance prayer on them and see if they manifest. If they manifest, you are not qualified. You are from the Lord. I don't know, I don't care where your degree is from, how big you are. I don't trust you. Oh, Alright, so um, this is again um, huge accountability issues they have. Yeah, so that is their that major is, so, issue. So yeah. we don't have to deal with that right now, Pastor. You, 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 yeah, I understand your issues with accountability. When we pray, when Trust we pre- preach and all, we are talking about a normal format with a normal good believing church with good godly leadership. We are talking about that. Who will? No, we are not talking in your case. In your case, you cannot have accountability at all because you don't know who will snitch on you. Even if the person to whom you are very close is nice, may have an altar inside who will snitch you. So you cannot have that. You have to go by how you are. And, you know, yes. Okay, this, uh, Pastor, next next page. I think they're all similar questions, so I think you mm. have answered most of them. Mm. Question number seven. Mm. How do you balance out your life? Hate mother, father, and self. Now, this, is, this, if I'm right, is from a Muslim background person. Please don't uh, misunderstand. When God talks about hate, he did not mean hate your mother or father or anything. But he's talking about not loving your family more than God. That's what he is talking about. He's not only God never will ask you to the same God who told you to honor your father and mother is not asking you to hate them. He says, but in comparison to your love for your God, it should feel like this is nothing. Because everything is everything is temporal on earth. Like the greatest relationship a person has is with his father and mother when you're born growing up and after that when you get married is your spouse. But this is also temporal. 
You have an eternal father and you have a temporal father. You have a temporal spouse and you have an eternal spouse. So when you have to choose between these two is all God is talking about. Otherwise, no. And even when you love God with all your heart, all your might, all your strength, you are nicer and kinder to your parents. Okay, You will not budge on things which are connected with truth, but you don't become nasty to them. Yes. Okay, Pastor. Uh, next page is... Page 8, you answer, Pastor Vijay, good evening to you. Let me read that question. Pastor Vijay, good evening to you. We would like you to answer this question. You to answer. When you study the book of Proverbs, are you convicted of what Proverbs say? Also, the book of Ecclesiastes is very depressing as well. How are you able to teach the book of Proverbs and yet not get mad at yourself for missing the mark? Also, you keep saying your degrees are a waste. It means nothing in heaven. But don't you think it has helped you put things into perspective after all the hours of lab work? One of my friends is a prof too. He has done robotics as well and he says he's amazed how you talk about your education being a waste of time. He has a hard time when you say it. By the way, he too was in a very large university. You rather stay anonymous. He has heard of your university. He checked you out online. Knows a few of them from California as well. But he wants to hear from you and not PJ. <laughs> Sorry, it's yours. So, um, first of all, uh, about the Proverbs part, um, just not the book of Proverbs, every part of the Bible, when I read it, it convicts me. Um, and especially when when you know the reality of uh, the word and how much it, God requires from you, you, you always come short. Now, having said that, it is only conviction. Um, God is there to help us to reach up to the standards of what he has asked us to live up to, because that is what uh, salvation is all about, like we keep hearing, there is a salvation of the spirit and a salvation of the soul, so the second part is a salvation of the soul, once you are born again, you are born again into the kingdom, in the spirit, and we constantly keep renewed in the, uh, be, uh, be renewed in the mind, and over a period of time, gradually we will be able to live up to the standards that God wants us to live up to. Okay, and coming to my, <laughs> the second part about my lab. Okay, let me just put this in perspective. Yes, uh, I understand where you're coming from. Now, when I, after, and I'm, I'm saying all those things after I have uh, uh, come into the ministry. When I look at the eternal part, I see that is more important than the temporal part. Now, it, is, it does not mean that you should not pursue what God wants you to pursue. Okay? And it does not mean that you should not, not work hard. It does not mean that you are not going to do the best that you can in whatever uh, field you are in. No. But the thing is, in every situation, are we putting God first is the point. Okay. And uh, that is where everybody's struggle is. No. Yes. Um, um, about the about the degrees, I'm definitely sure that we are not going to <laughs> uh, take those degrees to heaven because uh, they'll all melt in the fire when you see the ultimate degree that is God himself. All the other degrees are absolutely useless when compared to who he is. So if he has to give us his uh, resume, um, it's impossible to fit any paper on earth. And John himself says that if the things that Jesus did, uh, if they have to be recorded, not the books in the, hev- in, the, in the world be able to record him. And then all the terabytes of memory that you have will not be able to record all the things that Jesus said and spoke and did. So, so we don't, that in comparison, to God is what I'm talking about. Okay, so don't get, don't, don't misunderstand me. Yes, uh, it helps if you study hard. 
like pastor comes from literature background and I envy him a lot because literature is always top is and the topest is in the topmost echelon and and than than science and technology. I'll tell you why. Uh, the book of uh, Romans says that they were they became inventors of evil. Why did they become inventors of evil? I was discussing with Raj the other day. Science and technology is neutral. For example, this this uh, this device that we are using is a neutral device. Uh, internet is a neutral device. Every uh, technological a- 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 advancement or invention, uh, when people invented it, they had real, real uh, positive things to do, and they wanted to do really good. For even, for example, Einstein's mass mass energy equation. When he came up with that, he wanted to do good. He wanted to harness the energy which was there in the neutron, right? But the problem is. There's, there are ideologies which drive the way we use technology. Okay? There are ideologies. Now, for example, if you, the person who said this comes from robotics background, you know who I'm talking about. You know, uh, Noam Chomsky is the father of literature and is the father of artificial intelligence too. Okay. Linguistics, yeah. yeah and he's uh, linguistics and also yeah, AI. Yeah. So, uh, he was, he's, he's, he's the father of artificial intelligence too. And there, if you are from California, you know there's a company called Vicarious, which is a robotics company. Okay. So, what, what do these guys do? Now, they're using technology for something other than positive things. The technology in itself is neutral. The guy who's working in the lab, he's really working hard, hoping that one day whatever he's gonna invent is gonna help society. But when it falls into the kind of hands that is not supposed to fall in, and all human beings are fallen human beings, and eventually they will use it for something which is not, um, which is not right. Okay, so literature is a top. Science and technology comes at the lower level. That is what my opinion is. Because if you see every university, for that matter, even IIIT, from where I graduated, there's a strong humanities department. Okay, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a department of humanities which offer computer science courses with humanities specialization. And what do they want to do? They want to use theories that they start studying social science, social engineering, and they want to use science and technology to, to, uh, to propagate their ideology. Okay, I'm just using crude terms. Alright, so, yes, um, if you are, if you, if you come from literature background, you'll be able to understand the word in more depth, because you'll be able to grapple with concepts, etc. And if you also come from science and technology background, you also, you have trained yourself to study hard and, and work hard and uh, not give up on certain things. Those two trainings are good. But, uh, is God not, is able to circumvent all that and help and uh, give you supernaturally abilities? Absolutely. Okay, so we, we are not uh, uh, negating anything. These are only tools that we can use. But God is able to use um, people like even John, I believe. How could he write Revelation with such clarity? So, we only look at Paul, but we don't look at John. I believe John wrote Revelation with such incredible clarity because God gave him that gift and he was able to put it. So, when I'm saying about, when I'm talking about education, I'm not never saying that education is bad, but putting God first is the most important thing that, that is something which I always keeps telling everybody. So, um, so don't misunderstand the fact that uh, it's not a waste of time. Nothing is a waste. Okay, if you really, really worked hard, that's a, that's a work ethic that you will carry into every field, for that matter. Okay, so don't don't say that uh, the the time in the lab was not a waste, uh, because there's something which I learned in the process of uh, you know doing whatever 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 I was doing. So that that is helpful anyway. Okay, so.
That's about it. I guess I hope I have answered your question. Pastor, you can add to it, please. Also, the thing is that when uh, when we talk about universities and all this, you need to realize every great university in the world began as yes, a seminary. Seminary, yes. Seminary. Yes. Our problem is not with science, technology, medicine, and all. What has happened in the twentieth, twenty-first century? God has been taken out, and that's when all this has become a waste. Just think about robotics. Think think about triple IT robotics. What if the first hour is Bible study? How would the students come out? Mm. How at the background? Because they need theory. Everywhere we supply the theory. We, not me, <laughs> the humanities department supply the theory. Absolutely, they have a very okay. strong. That's why man, they supply the theory. What if the theory is all biblical? Then how would science and technology be used? When he talks about as it being a waste, he's looking at it in today's perspective, like now he's looking at, he's been called to serve the Lord, and he looks at like, like all the wisdom of Egyptian for Moses was a waste. God didn't need any of that. Paul was highly learned, God had to empty his head out, it was a waste of time. But what did, what did he and I learn through, like I was at flu, I was also doing my PhD. What did we learn from it? The only thing we learned is endurance. Mm-hmm. But endurance, Peter also learned from fishing. Exactly. To be a good fisherman, you yeah, need to have endurance. So you don't need to be, do a PhD for endurance. You can learn it anyway. Jesus learned endurance from carpentry. Okay, and he had a mind like nobody's mind. Okay, so we are talking about in these terms is that because I look personally at the dignity of labor. For me, the robotics man, the carpenter, the fisherman are all at the same level. So it's no difference. It's no difference at all. They're all at the, there's dignity in all of this. That's why God, when He came down, He did not come as a scientist. He came as a carpenter. You know, He came as a carpenter. You know, and Moses, who was prince, became a shepherd. No, so there is dignity in all this labor. Like somebody would look at Pastor Vijay and say, you know what, you actually went and did all this and you left it for ministry. But if, let us say, Raj was a fisherman and he was a fisherman for 15 years and then he came to ministry, nobody would see that as a waste. They would see this as a waste because everything is in terms of money okay. spent. Okay. Now basically, the government put so much money into your parents put so much money into It's all put it in terms of money. That is why certain education is more expensive. Like if somebody, an IIT graduate goes to US, they talk it has brain drain because the Indian government has put so much money into your education and you've gone over there. But I don't look at anything in terms of money. No, I don't look at it in anything in terms of money. You can't because that's how we, that's the problem is we have brought in worldly values into the kingdom of God. Into the kingdom of God. So, did literature help me? I don't know. Did it help me or is it not helping me? I do not know. Because the gospel stands on the power of God. Yes, not on... God's on the power of God. A man from the village can rise up tomorrow with basic language where he reads the Bible, stand in the power of the Holy... Peter, when he stood before the crowd, he had no education. And the Sanhedrin understood it completely. was standing there entirely in the power of the Holy Spirit and the word that he had heard and listened and understood. That's all. And that's how the kingdom of God works. And you will always see all the old great scientists. Isaac Newton is famous in their field as a scientist. In our field, he's famous as an eschatologist. It's true. 
Most of his study was on eschatology. He was a brilliant student of the Bible. All days, all the great ones were biblical scholars. And even Blaise Pascal. Yeah, all Pascal. All of them were great. They were devoted to God. Today what has happened is that we have made education, science. Science is God. Today science is God. The entire lockdown and every restriction limited or is based on science. Mm -hmm. And there is no God in the picture at all. Science has. So... When uh, somebody leaves a field like that, we see it as a waste. And Paul will look around and say that I consider it as rubbish for the exceedingly great knowledge of knowing Christ Jesus. In that terms, we are looking at when he's saying it is a waste in terms of, in terms of Christ. Yes. What did you get in? There is no comparison. I look at my entire time spent in pursuing all that stuff as waste compared to, compared to. You know, compared to, but God uses all our mistakes and turns it around and then he calls us and he uses it. He still uses what we learned on the way. Mm. You know, so Jesus said the final question to Peter's children, did you catch anything? No. Okay, put it on the other side, they got a huge catch. And he comes and they see he's already cooked for them. That is, he says, bring what you caught also, put that also as here, okay. It's okay. So he uses literature in my preaching. He uses engineering in his preaching. He doesn't need it. Mm. But he says, I don't want you to feel like a total loser. So use a little of it in your sermons. It's okay. You will feel good. I don't feel any better. But people will feel good. You will feel good. But it's not a feel-good gospel. Yep. It is still the gospel. And God yes. is able to use anybody, right? Anybody, anybody. anybody. And most of the people he have used. The Bible is very clear in First Corinthians. He does not use people like that. Yes. You're missing something? Oh, my leg. Okay, sorry. The cameramen are saying, okay, it's okay. <laughs> okay. There was another question on that. When, yeah. when, when you compare, when you, when you call into the ministry, this is a high calling. I, I mm. cannot answer it because I'm still young in the ministry, mm. so please, you let, uh, mention that as well. I mean, uh, the high calling, the, you can, you, you I mean, the highest position in terms of career you can get, get is called to be servant of God. Exactly. You cannot get a higher calling. And the world may not, we are not serving the world. We are not even serving people. We are serving God. Something which I teach pastors, I always say, we are not people's servants, though we serve people. We are God's servants at his beck and call. At his beck and call. So that way we are, we believe we couldn't get a better career opportunity than this. So there are all kinds of rewards in the Bible, but there is one which is only kept for shepherds. And that is something which only shepherds can get. So we believe that if we finish our race and the shepherds race well, then we get an extra crown. But if we don't finish, the judgment also is severe on us because we deal with souls. All the others deal with life. We deal with souls. Yes, and we'll go to the next question. Dear brother, whoever it is, I hope you understood how we see life. Question number, it's on Pastor Occult and uh, other things. Mm. We are all Catholics. Yeah, we will look at that one question. Yeah, we we uh, we are all Catholics. We came out of worshiping Mary. Mm. We repented, but sometimes we have doubts when you preach or Pastor Vijay preaches about hidden leprosy. Mm. We don't want to share our sins with people. People, How do we yeah. Do? Okay. First thing, let me tell you to all the dear Catholic brethren who came out, or maybe others who are listening, because I come from the same background. Let me explain to you something which. Uh, you need to understand. There's only one person who exists as three, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, who is omniscient. Mm. 
and omnipresent. You know what it means. He's present everywhere. And he's the only one who is eternal that way. So one of the fundamental questions you need to ask is, I can pray from here, somebody can pray from New York, another from Australia, another from China, all around the world, a billion people can pray at the same time and God can hear all of them at the same time and answer them individually. That's because he is God and only God can do that, not even Satan. Satan can be only at one place at a time. That's why he needs all these billions of demons to report to him. God doesn't need anybody to report to him. But he is God. So my question to you, basically, if you are from a Catholic background, is this. Let us say Appu is sitting in Hyderabad and praying to Mary. And somebody else is in from Warangal and praying to Mary. And somebody else is in Delhi and praying to Mary. A billion Catholics are praying to Mary. And if she can hear, then she is God. And she is not God. She is not God. These are fundamental things which Christians need to understand. There's only one God. There's nobody other than... Even Gabriel Michael cannot hear what everybody says. They, they don't have that. That's only God. Only God. So Mary cannot hear anybody. Because she's not divine. She's not divine. So praying to saints, again, does not work. First place, we do not know whether they can hear or not. Second thing, even if a saint can hear, he can only hear one person. And that too God has to allow. Mm. So, this is a fundamental things which people do not use their logic and think, hey, wait a second, if St. Jude can hear a thousand people, then he must be like God. But we are not God and they are not God. We are limited, even in our soulish, after we die, even in that body, we still are limited. There's only one who is God, who can be everywhere at the same time and hear everybody. That is God. Amen. It is God. And these are fundamental things which you need to understand. The, the, the total blindness that has happened over a church and they don't even realize how it is happening. And then... Uh, we came or we repent, but sometimes we have doubts when we're talking about hidden leprosy is talking about sins which we are not. God doesn't reveal all the sin. This is on the road mm. to sanctification. Yes. Road to sanctification. Let me tell you, now it's interesting here. No? Let me tell you about a great, uh, I won't use great with men, uh, man of God who was being interviewed by the TV crew. What happened is that his wife cleaned up everything, vacuumed everything, all this fine, until the TV crew came. When the TV crew came and they put their lights on, suddenly she could see a lot of stuff she had missed. Because their lights are different, right? The brighter the light, the more dirt you see. So, sanctification is a process where a child of God is walking into the light. The light is not the same. You are walking more and more into the light. So as you walk more into the light, God starts showing you things which you didn't see earlier. So that is where repentance is a continuous process only for those who are walking in the light. And God is light. Unapproachable light. Okay, And it gets brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter. It's a spiritual reality. 
You know, when Jesus appeared to Saul of Tarsus, he was blinded for three days. And something like scales had to fall from his eyes. God had to protect his actual physical eyes. He was blinded. And people always say that he was, he couldn't see properly. You know, because of that. So this is what you are talking about. So you don't have to share your sins with people. You have to share it with God. You have to repent before God. You don't have to. You know, it all depends. We don't have a fixed pattern like that. But, God will show you, you repent, forsake and keep moving on. And he will keep on showing you. Don't get discouraged by it. That's why in James, can I, can I have that verse? James chapter 4, draw near to God and he will draw seven, near seven to onwards. Seven onwards. It is, this is, drawing is walking towards God and what happens? Draw near to God. He will draw near to you. Look at him immediately. Draw near to God. First God drew near to me, he saved me. Now I am asked to take a step every day. When I draw near to God, He draw nears to me. First thing, cleanse your hands, you sinners. Now, am I not already cleansed? God said, yes, but I didn't show you a lot of stuff still. Let me honestly ask you, how many of us really knew how to wash hands before this virus came? <laughs> None of us knew. We were all happy with the way we washed our hands and we thought our hands were clean until they started showing all these graphic pictures and we realized... My gosh, I'm almost 55 years old and I didn't know how to wash hands. Okay, in the same way, when you draw near to God, God says, cleanse your hand, you sinners, purify your hearts, your heart, your mind, your work, everything, double-minded. So God takes you through this process. That's what it is talking about. And God will. And it's a continuous process. Never stop until it is over. Okay, question? So, uh, we don't understand how we, how come we can be forgiven when we have done a lot of damage to people. How is it possible to get rid of guilt? First, I know again this is from the circle. I know the damage you have done is, if it weren't for God, unpardonable. I don't want to tell stuff on this because it is very dangerous. Because we are not even talking about small things. We are talking about blood. Blood on your hands. Many of you. God has forgiven you. You have done a lot of damage. lot of damage. Unbelievable damage. The world is what it is now. Honestly. Because of the circle. But you are also in so many ways innocent. You were probably programmed right from childhood. But how do you get rid of the guilt, shame and not be condemned is believe what God says. He took your shame upon himself. He took your guilt, he took your shame and he took your condemnation. The only thing possible is that when you read the word of God, you have to believe the word of God. There is nothing. When you put a feeling or even you are thinking above the word of God, it has become an idol. God has said very clearly in Psalm 138 verse 2, I have exalted or magnified my word above all my name. So when the Holy Spirit shows you that you are forgiven, then you are free from condemnation. You have to open your mouth and say it, I am not condemned. Because ultimately, like all those um, who are in U.S., you know that if you if you are in prison, if you've been sentenced for a federal crime, and you've been sentenced, 
if my understanding of your law is right, you can never get a federal job again. Unless one condition, that is a presidential pardon. If you get a presidential pardon, that means your slate is cleared. Your record is impunched. If I'm right, that's a legal term. It's impunched. It is taken off. So you are like as if you never did anything. That is what justification means. You know, justification is all. Because today we have computer. Justification is a, uh, it's a computer. Actually, it's a term. Because when you align both sides of what you have typed out, when you put justify, both sides come straight. So that is what God is doing. He is aligning your life with his life. And you are saying that just as if you never sinned. So you have to take God at his word. You have to take God at his word. You are free. You are guilt free. You are shame free. You are free from condemnation. You do not have to walk in it. But God will tell you to make restoration. Restitution. However, he tells you, in your case, I will never tell you how to do it because it's not possible for you to do it. So let God tell you. God tell you how to make restitution. He will tell you how to make restitution. Some of, and well, let me tell you for all those people who have come from the circle, one of the things they have done well with you is that they programmed you with incredible discipline unbelievably disciplined you are because they needed that discipline in you to do their dirty job. But if you turn your discipline onto the other side Hallelujah. and use it for you, will never get people as disciplined as those who were in the circle all their life. They're unbelievably disciplined because that's how you were programmed. Now take that discipline and turn it around for God. Turn it around for God. Just turn it around for God and use that for God now. No, whichever way God wants to use you. That's how you come free out of it. And you will be a great blessing. Absolutely. How Paul was zealous for Yahweh without understanding, going around thinking all these Christians are heretics. When God turned him around, he took the same zeal and now went for Christ Jesus. And he, in his case also, he could not make. Yeah, any he could not make any rest. How many people were? How many people he was responsible for their death? We do not know how many people he was. But he was free. Nobody would condemn him because he did according to the Jewish law. Mm. But the fact is that in God's eye, he was a murderer. Mm -hmm. That's why we will always say, I am the worst sinner. And kept him humble. Kept him humble. But he did never walked under condemnation. Never walked under guilt, shame or condemnation. He was proud to preach Christ. So, yeah. so the others are curiosity questions. I want to ask you one more personal question. Mm. On, I mean, which yeah, yeah, yeah. On, through the email mm. uh, regarding deliverance. Okay. Okay. Uh, this is on the email. Uh, do believers need deliverance all the time from evil spirits as well as sin nature for constant growth in Him? If a believer has the light, can evil or darkness be found in him? Because some good pastors say that if we have His Word firmly entrenched in our heart, it is not possible for darkness to coexist with light there. Now, this, these are all theological arguments. Let us talk about practical things. Yes, practical things is individual to individual. Okay. Your spirit is inhabited by the Holy Spirit. Then you have the soul, where you have the mind, where you have strongholds, which is demonic. Then you have the body, where the flesh can be inhabited by, by the demonic. Let's be clear about it. 
Let's be wary because these are realms. If the Satan can be in the entire second realm, though God is in the third realm, okay, third realm, then the Holy Spirit is in your spirit and you have your soul. And a man in the soul uh, can have a very demonic stronghold. He can be actually having and be crippled by fear. Maybe a very fearful person. And fear is a stronghold. It is a spirit of fear. It is a spirit of fear. And it's not on his body. It's in his mind. Okay, so you can have demonic and you can walk free from it also. Completely can you walk in free? Yes, you look at Jesus, yes. But was uh, Paul free? No, he wasn't. God allowed the demonic to attack him. Kept him like that. Why? Because of the exceedingly great revelation, God says, you know what? You will become proud. That is the worst thing that can happen to anybody. If there is one thing God hates most, it is pride. He doesn't hate anything more than pride. So to keep him humble, he allowed. And he says a messenger of Satan. What is a messenger of Satan? It is demonic. And he's not giving him daily deliverance. He's not giving him like permanent deliverance. He says, each day you will live by my grace. I'll give you the grace. And it's very humiliating for him. His ministry is working. Demons are fleeing left, right and center. Everyone will flee before him, but this fellow doesn't leave him. Imagine you are in deliverance ministry and you can cast demons out from everybody, but you yourself know you got something hanging on to you and that fellow doesn't go because he's been given permission from higher up to stay there with you to keep you humble. You know, So you have to look at all these pictures. So the, those who are on the other side of the spectrum will say, no, that was his eyesight and all. He doesn't talk about eyesight. He says a messenger from Satan to buffet me. Yes. Pastor, another very... Uh, we'll take one more question. Last, last question yeah. Pastor, and then uh, tomorrow we'll come back again. There are lots of questions. Okay. Okay. Uh, this is again which came on the email. Mm. Um, I'm actually only choosing one at random. Mm. Uh, my husband abuses me verbally and be- and before physically as well. Mm-hmm. Now only verbally. I have prayed a lot and it comes back. It's like a cycle and I'm unable to break it. Not sure of his spiritual status as he listens to a lot of messages from good teachers but not sure of his spiritual stand or not sure what kind of bondage he's in. He's not willing to come for counseling. What should I do? Pray. I'm, I'm honestly telling you like this, in these cases, because you're, we do not know who you are, we are not there to able to help you, but all I can give you as counsel is, go to First Peter chapter 3 and verse 1 onwards. Sammy, First was, Peter chapter 3, was, was one onwards. caught Sammy off guard. Mm. Chapter 3. Verse 1 onwards, Sammy. Okay. This is scripture. I didn't write it, so don't get mad with me. This is what God said. Wives, likewise be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. Now, this is, okay, yeah. Well, let's stick to verse 1. One is actually enough. The rest they can read on their own. Even if some do not obey the word, your husband does not obey the word. Okay? If he obeys the word, he is not supposed to be verbally abusive or physically abusive. He cannot. It's not right as a believing husband. He can discuss issues. Okay? But the solution is given to the wife here. What is the solution? Without a word. Without a word. Don't say anything. 
don't say anything don't say anything no don't aggravate the situation bible says a gentle answer turns away the wrath turns away wrath okay if you have to if you think anything that he says demands a response say it gently sometimes you do not realize to men the husbands what matters is not what you say but how you say it often to men i'm telling you what matters is not what you say mm. it's how you say it mm. matters more and that's why in the bible the bible does not keep saying wives love your husband love your husband it doesn't say it tells the husband love your wife love your wife love your wife but tells always to the wife honor your husband honor your husband honor your husband honor your husband he doesn't want a bunch of flowers and all that stuff he wants honor mm. that's something which women don't realize often he doesn't want flowers or chocolates he only wants honor you know if the husband uh, wife brings a bunch of chocolate a bunch of flowers to him he will wonder what happened here but you bring a bunch of flower and give it to your wife she's tickled pink as if the whole rainbow has got us lit up the sky and everything she'll arrange everything and think was we are differently made differently made so men have to understand this thing they have been called to love their wives and treat them knowing them they are weaker vessel i like it in hindi namra patra meaning god when he sent it out of his assembly line he put a sticker at that back fragile handle with care okay okay when he sent men out of the this thing he said exalted handle with honor okay so men want honor men want honor and uh, solution to every wife who is going through this is given there be submissive to your own husbands in this particular if you take that word alone how do i become submissive this is don't say anything you know if if people had just kept their mouth shut how much trouble would have been avoided in the world how much trouble would have been avoided in the world just keep your mouth shut because you see one thing you need to realize is every marital couple they all have fights right you have fights right okay they'll all have fights okay the russian all are smiling they all have fights bachelors they look in the mirror fight with themselves but <laughs> okay but when you have fights first thing you need to realize is that if it is becoming an argument fight stop because arguments what happens with 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 two people when they are arguing is that they're not listening to each other to find a solution they are trying to listen to each other to get a response to your argument and no in a family fight nobody wins an argument both loses amen both loses that's why when apologetics becomes arguments walk away okay when you were in your secular spaces when they want to this they will come to you thinking they want apologetics be very careful if it's an argument walk away because that man who is arguing will never get converted the one who is only openly searching with him you can have a discussion and that works in the family too the minute you see it's an argument and you will always know wives will know when men are listening and men will know when wives are not listening walk away it's not worth don't waste your breath and your words don't arguments will lead to fights and fights will become nasty and then you will say things which you are not supposed to say at all in your emotion they will you must have said it and then they will take it as truth this is what you always thought about me and it becomes messy so one of the first things to do over there is that 
all the married men are sitting at the back and laughing, okay? Without a word, maybe one by the conduct of their wives. Okay, guys. And also I'm telling you to women who husbands work and wives don't work, they already have enough trouble in their workplace. Mm. So when they come home, as soon as they knock on the door, don't give it left, right, center. Okay, you don't have to add to their misery. Then let me tell you, as somebody who took care of small children, my own children, full day before I went to ministry in the evening and did it for years together and I had no complaints at all. I thought that was the best time of my life, taking care of my children when they were small. Let me tell you about husbands who do not know about the mother who is taking care of small children. They work harder than you. A little child, especially if you have two small little child and the father isn't there the whole day, the child will send you up the wall. Hmm. It will make you walk all... If, if you if today's app wasn't olden days there, the mother would have walked 15 kilometers in the house, even in a small apartment. And the climbing up the wall is not measured anyway. <laughs> okay, so you need to realize what she is going through. These little brats don't sleep. They don't sleep. They will not sleep at all. You, are, um, um, wife has to be a mother has to be a jack of all trades. The husband is sitting in his system or office and concentrating on this. Mother has to concentrate on the elder one is going in one. The small one is in another direction. She has to mop, to wash, to cook and everything. And when the husband comes, she has to look like Cinderella and give him everything. That doesn't happen in real life. Because men have to understand these things. This is not... He is sitting in his office and when he comes at home, he thinks his wife will appear from the door. And she will look as if it was on the wedding day. Well, she has got food on her... Because the little fellow, before he came, just threw up. Okay. She'll smell a little of urine because she just finished mopping up the other one who just peed on the floor. And you're coming and thinking, on a wedding day, I remember on her pattu sari, she will... She's not going to come out like that. This is life. Amen. This is life. That is why you made that covenant better or worse. Often it is worse when the children are small. And you have to learn to live with it. Okay, so there has to be, that's why scripture says, live with your wife with understanding. Understanding, no? And wives have to understand he's had a bad day, okay, bad day. And uh, so, don't give him the entire history of what happened the day when he comes in. Husbands have to realize she might have had a worse day. So you need to look in and realize, take a look at it and say, okay, it's not good. So you need to say, okay, let me put my bag down. Let me take the little ones. You go do what you have to do. I'll take care of them for half an hour. And immediately you have become an understanding husband. You have become an understanding husband. Or you had a reasonably good day and the husband is coming. Okay, he'll come now in under 15 minutes. Let me get everything ready for him. And don't mess him up and just tell him, no, the kids were so good today. I had a really nice time. You have to change the atmosphere. Everything matters. It's the atmosphere you create. If the atmosphere is happy, house is heaven. If atmosphere is miserable, the closest to hell is the home. And honestly, it is in the hands of the woman to create the atmosphere. Create. That's why the Bible always says the wise woman Bills are home. home. Never talks about the husband. It talks about the wife. So you can be a wise wife. Shut your mouth. Pray. Shut your mouth. Keep praying. And by your conduct, 
scripture says he may be won over. It doesn't say he will be. Then it's a promise. He said, God is not going to bend somebody's will and make him something he doesn't want to be. He says, maybe one over. But the chances are high. When they observe your chase conduct accompanied by, that is reverence. And Lord, let me me tell you, Lord of 21st century women do not have reverence for man, for their husband. The problem is when you don't have reverence for your husband, your reverence for God is fake. It's fake. The women is God. Because if you do not have reverence for the head which is visible, how can you have reverence for the head which is invisible? Yes. Amen. And they don't have reverence. And do not, lot of stuff, no? If you come down further over there, I have to give one verse because the family thing and more important. Come. Yeah, come further down. Come further down. Six. Yeah, come further down. Let's leave the women aside. Come. Yeah. Look at seven. Look at seven. Now I want the husbands to listen very carefully. Husbands likewise deal with them with understanding. Yes. Give honor to the wife. Wife deserves honor. But what kind of honor? As a weaker vessel. Yes. Understand she is emotional. When she is emotional, say something. You don't have to react. That means you are also emotional. So two weak vessels will make a lot of noise. She is a weaker vessel. So you are supposed to be a stronger vessel. When she is emotional, this thing and all, be calm. Don't aggravate the situation. As being heirs together of the grace of life. Why? That your prayers may not be hindered. God says, you know what? Most of the solution to life is there in the house at the family altar in prayer. But he says, your prayers are hindered because of the way you treat each other. The church may give you a certificate, oh, he's a prayer warrior, she's a prayer warrior. God says, that is not true. I look at their house altar. I'm looking at the house and looking at how they are treating each other and their prayers are not going anywhere. Because I have stopped their prayers. I'm not listening to their prayers because of how they treat each other. And the Bible is very clear. Husbands, love your wives. Give them honor as a weaker vessel. Wives, be submissive to your own. And submission is there with everybody. It's automatic. It's not that nobody needs to be taught it because you all know how to apply it. You look at a woman in her office and her boss is a man. Oh boy, yes sir, yes sir, three bags full, sir. She treats him with reverence, she teaches with submission, no issues at all. The minute she comes, who are you, sir? So you know how to submit. The same thing is for man also. He's very kind and polite to all the female staff. Yes. But when he comes home, it's a different matter altogether. So God says, you already know what to do. You already have it in you. Why don't you just practice it? That's it. And don't aggravate the situation. Live together with understanding. Each other. Understand each other. Like we have to worship God with understanding. God says, live with each other with understanding. And understand how God has free. We have to understand how God has made us. Men need honor. They need reverence. They don't need all flowers and all those, I love you 15 times a day and all. They don't want, they will say, what's wrong with her? Mm-hmm. No, but if you send it six times a day, they will say, my husband loves me so much. Okay? Because men don't expect those things. But one thing they expect is they expect honor. And if they are dishonor, you can do whatever you want. You may be the best efficient wife on planet Earth. But if they feel they are dishonored, they will not appreciate you. They will not appreciate. That's the way. Because God made man that way. 
And you can't blame it. God made man that way. In the same way it is the other side for the woman. She wants to be loved. She wants to be loved. She doesn't want so much honor and all. She wants to be loved. <laughs> she needs a little flattery and all, all that stuff and all she needs. Because that's a weaker vessel. She's a kabartan. She's a sisa kabartan. Okay, so handle it with clear. So I always, when I counsel young couples, I always tell you, you and I don't need all this stuff. Let them go shopping once a month and buy some clothes. Let them... Don't treat them like us. We don't want all women looking like men. How boring this world will be. No. We don't want them like that. No, say, honey, why haven't you bought anything this month? Go buy. Only thing don't buy for me. Don't treat me like I don't need dresses. I don't need all this stuff. I am fine with what I have, but your need is different. You know, we have, the problem is many men treat their wife like they treat themselves. And they feel, I am very good to my wife. I said, no, you are not. You are not. You buy a pair of trousers once a year and you think she needs a churidar once a year. No, God did not make her that way. He did not make her that way. He made her completely different. You know? You are more like a cactus, she is more like a flower. You know? Now you want to make her into a cactus. Imagine a world full of cactus. So people have to understand how you deal it. Young couples have to understand how it is. But give them a credit card with a limit on it. Mm. Be wise. Okay? We like I tell my wife, I'll give you my card, but I'll keep the pin with me. <laughs> when you reach over there, I'll tell you what the pin is. Okay? So be wise. Okay, and we love you. We'll come back tomorrow. But we just, we just being, uh, we being, we're dealing with issues of life. And these are all issues of life. One trajectory of those who've been programmed from childhood to hmm. to another side, which have normal, no programming, nothing. Probably had good parents and all, but marriage is not working. Or the entire spectrum of life is there. Okay, same spectrum, God. same God, and He handles you from here. Hmm to hear and he promises freedom for everybody. everybody. Amen. Whom the sun sets free yes, is free, free indeed. indeed. Only thing, you have to fight for your freedom. It doesn't come in one slot. Let me say that again. It doesn't come in one slot. Like he said in the book of Judges, you will win little by little by little. Each day you celebrate because each day you realize I won over something. That is a victory, the celebration of victory. In one day, if you won everything, then you would. That's what Solomon went down. Because he had no battles to fight. Because his father bought, fought all the battles for him. He didn't even have to struggle to build the temple. He got everything he needed to. He didn't even have to pray and meditate to get the plans of the temple. That also his father got for him. So he, this guy had nothing to do. So he went down the road because you need battles to fight. Amen. And every day is a celebration. The Bible tells you, Christ Jesus takes you in triumph every day. So he rejoices as the captain of the host. We rejoice, hey, I won a battle today. And tomorrow will be another battle. You know? Yet, there is absolute total deliverance promised in the word of God. Amen. One day, those who are just will be made perfect. And we are on that journey. Amen. Amen. Pastor Vijay, could you please close in prayer? Yes. Father, we just thank you once again for this evening. Thank you, Lord, for, Father, so many questions, O oh Lord, that were answered. And I pray, Father, that you only know, Father, 
what people are going through. We are only able to uh, speak at only a certain level. And I pray, Father, that Lord, you will be able to take these answers and Lord, you will be able to work into the hearts, work, into, work them into the hearts of the people and that you will draw deliverance into their lives. Touch every one of them. Let them all know, Father, that you are their Father. That you, we worship a heavenly Father. And we, and we have a God and, a, and an elder brother who is touched by the feelings of our infirmities, who is tempted in all areas and he did not sin. And therefore he is a merciful high priest who can empathize with all our weaknesses. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for those assurances. And I pray, Father, that you would bless this time that you have given to us. And Lord, even as we continue to meditate upon your word, and seek your face and understand the issues of life, you will direct our paths one step at a time and enable us not to trust in our own self and lean not to our own understanding. In all our ways, enable us to acknowledge you and you will direct our paths. Thank you, Father, once again for this opportunity that you have given to us. And even as we rest tonight, grant us a good night's rest. Another day, Lord, so that, Lord, we can understand your will and walk closer with you. We thank you, we praise you. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.